Well, good morning. I thought there was a shelf on here. I better set my bottle there to go to the floor. Uh, on this bright, sunshiny day in Arizona or somewhere, it's not here, but it's somewhere. We can all be glad it's bright and sunny somewhere. Now, I, I tell you, when, uh, when I first found out that Pastor John and I were going to be doing it, I got excited. I'm still excited. The excitement will never leave because I know that we're getting closer and closer to the return of the Lord. You know, at the crucifixion of Jesus, I believe Pastor Brian even made reference to that back when he was doing his message. Uh, how that, you know, so many people there, the, the, the disciples and included, were just so disturbed. And uh, many of them were confused and disappointed and couldn't figure out the plan of what was going to happen. It didn't, it didn't come out the way they thought it was going to come out. But yet God had a plan. He always has a plan. And, uh, and, and it did come into fulfillment just like he said it would. And, and really it's the same thing concerning end times. Uh, he's given us prophecy. He's given us revelation. He's given us illumination to know the times that we're living in where that we can be ready and be prepared for his coming. Now, there are some people that are more exuberant about it than others. That's what eat, breathe, and sleep. One of those is in our midst, and he's going to be joining me here on the platform. Bill, come on up. Bill Slininger. Uh, he's got a tremendous uh, heart for uh, the message concerning end times. He... Uh, I've done classes with him and will continue to do classes with him. I'm forever a student of the end times, and, and I like to learn from those who uh, have been doing it way, way longer than me. Well, not that much. I mean, you know, I mean you, I'm not that much. <laughs> He's not, we're not that far apart in age. But listen, well, I'm going to quit messing. We'll get going here. I want to kick it off. We'll ask you this question, Bill. Uh, first one, uh, what are some of the undeniable end time signs that Jesus is about to return for his church? First one is that Israel's a nation. It's in the spotlight of the news. It's the people of Israel are, are more hated each day, and they're busy preparing for that third temple. All right. You'll hold it on that one, huh? Well, I got more. I got a couple more here. <laughs> All right, what about this one? What's the difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the judgment of nations and the great white throne judgment? Because there are judgments coming. Okay, this, the, the, this is a three-hour part here. <laughs> the, the Bema Seed Judgment, is a, it's really a reward ceremony for the raptured Christians. And we'll get, uh, our works are judged. We get rewards for the good works. The bad works are, are burned up. Burned up. <laughs> so watch the bonfires. <laughs> Second one is... Uh, the goat and sheep judgment, that happens at the end of uh, Armageddon. It's, uh, so Christ is back to the earth. At that point in time, the Antichrist and the false prophet are thrown into the, the lake of fire. They're the first uh, ones that get to try that, that part of hell out. Uh, and, uh, and the other thing that happens, uh, Satan is bound for a thousand years. And uh, I'll, let's see, I've forgotten some of these things. Uh, well, let's, I'll move on and just say that there's also a resurrection at this point. All the Old Testament uh, believers and uh, are uh, resurrected as well as all of the tribulation saints at that point in time. So they're ready to go in and rule and reign with Jesus just like we who are raptured. Yeah, judgment seat of Christ will get crowns, right? There'll be there'll be crowns that'll be awarded. There will the be crown. Yeah, part of the rewards are crowns, and we get those crowns, and then we'll throw them at the feet of Jesus. And one of the first worship services there in Revelation four. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 
right, and then the, the last one is the, the great white throne judgment. At that point in time, all the dead and those in hell are all resurrected. They face uh, what's called the second death when they're judged to, to not be found uh, able to move into heaven. And uh, the ones that uh, were living during the millennium are also judged those that... Uh, accepted Jesus during the millennium, get to go into the new heaven and earth. The others get to go into the lake of fire. Uh, at that point, too, then uh, death and hell are thrown into the lake of fire, and uh, we now have a world that's ready to live for Jesus. Now, there's a lot of, uh, I seem like the Bible says there'd be wars and rumors of wars, and it's like there's a continual war going on somewhere. What are some that, that biblically were prophesied that are going to be taking place as we near uh, the return of the Lord or even after? Well, I think one of the first ones that probably show up uh, on the scene is uh, what's called an Isaiah 17. Well, I don't know if it's a war. It's a one-night skirmish, I guess, uh, is what it's. Uh, but it's uh, when the D Damascus is totally taken off the earth and not ever inhabited again, which probably will then get uh, all the close-up nations uh, mad enough that if Psalm 83 hasn't taken place, it would probably just jump into that with the first ring nations around Israel, and they'll keep that into a war, which then likely would move into the Ezekiel 38-39 war, which is Russia, Iran, Turkey as the main players uh, deciding to come into Israel and, and defeat Israel. That probably happens uh, just before the tribulation or right after the tribulation starts. And then uh, there's a, another war that uh, happens at the very end of the millennium that sometimes get confused with the Ezekiel 38 war because both of them have a Gog and a Magog. But that's a Gog and Magog that's a satanic spirit Gog and Magog, and he's drawing all the rebellious people of the millennium into a war to try to defeat God one more time to see if he can't have charge. All right. <clears throat> one more thing here, and that'll probably take you the rest of the time to give it up. But uh, what are some evidences that we are moving toward the global government, the one world government? Well, we've got, uh, I think it's in the news every single day. They used to hide, but now they're out in the open. Uh, you can look on YouTube at uh, all these different groups that are meeting, that have plans. Uh, they talk about melding men and machines into what they call the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, they've got a plan to uh, take over and be a one-world government, this a totalitarian kind of a government, and uh, their ultimate goal is to take God out. All right. Well, we do have a little bit of time left, so I tell you what, we just speak, address the issue of the, of the third temple, if you would, about what's taking place there concerning the temple. Okay. I, I think uh, Joyce and I had a, an opportunity in 2000 to visit uh, Israel, and they were already working and had quite a few of the altar implements in place. And they 
they've kept going. I think they've got uh, in a rock quarry someplace, they've got all of the, the pieces put together and probably numbered. So whenever they get the okay to get on the temple mount, uh, that'll come into play. Seems like the missing piece right now is permission to build it and maybe knowing exactly where on the Temple Mount to build it and finding this red heifer that doesn't have any white hairs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last comments or any inspiration you want to give everyone? Well, I think if, if you haven't made Jesus your Savior, today is the best day to do it. Amen. 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 Here you go. Well, you heard it first here at Joy Christian Center. Now, we're so glad that you are with us today. And if you're watching online, uh, the, the notes and things we've prepared, we even put a, on the back of the notes there kind of a little diagram for you, you could take a look at to maybe uh, help you out. There's so many things when you start talking about end times, we can't get into everything. But uh, Pastor Brian said that maybe either late in the year, or maybe early next year, we'll try to have a more devoted time for it where we can get into more of the subject content and, and go uh, much deeper and, and, and cover a lot more ground than we're able to do in the, the time that we have now. Uh, on September 25th in 2015, 193 countries of the UN, they met in their General Assembly, and they adopted a 2030 developmental agenda. And it's called Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. And you might say, well, who cares what they talk about? Well, listen, I'm not going to go. There's 17 goals that they have. But of those 17, I want to read just the, the, the first uh, seven to you. Goal number one, zero, uh, no poverty. No poverty is goal number one. Number two, zero hunger. Number three, good health and well-being. Number four, quality education. Number five, gender equality. Number six, clean water and sanitation. Number seven, affordable and clean energy. And there's more. There's ten more that go along with that. And let me tell you this. They're not going to make it. They're not going to make it. That's just the facts. It's not, they're not going to make it to get all these things accomplished. And you say, why? Do you think the Lord will be back for the end? Well, hopefully so. But, uh, but if not, they don't have the ability to do that. Only God can make these things come to pass in such a way. And he's got a plan too. And his aren't just a goal. His are going to happen. I'm, I'm telling you, right, it's going to happen. He's going to bring his things to pass and we're going to see it uh, taken care of. Listen to what Titus, uh, you don't have the scripture on the screen, but listen, in Titus 2, 11 through 14, it says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It educates us. Now listen, it says it educates us so that we can live sensible, ethical, and godly lives right now by rejecting ungodly lives and the desires of this world. At the same time, we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us in order to rescue us from every kind of lawless behavior and to cleanse the special people for himself who are eager to do good actions. To do good actions. He, he chose us. He picked us out to be people that stand out, people of renown for him and for his glory. That's our job. That's what we do. That's what we're about. And we're supposed to accomplish that even in the days that we're living in when there's so much evil abounding all around us. But you know the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That means we have the grace to go through this time and be successful as we go through this time. And not be downcast. Oh, Lord, what's it going to be? No, we're, we're to come out of this smiling and shining. 
And we're going to talk for a minute here about the rapture. He is going to come and get us. We're not going to see the worst of the worst. He's going to take us out. But listen, one fellow, I heard this one speaker say, he said, I believe the return of the Lord is so close, I don't buy green bananas anymore. <laughs> now, that thing is pretty close, isn't it? I don't buy green bananas anymore. You know, the rapture is intimate. That means it can happen at any time. There are no signs before the rapture. And you say, oh, what, 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 we're talking about signs here today. Yeah, but that's signs of the, of the second coming. Well, if we can see signs of the second coming, how much more can we see the fact that the rapture would be even closer? If we can see what's going to be coming yet to come, and the rapture comes before yet to come, then guess what? It's yet to come too, and that means it's yet to come sooner. Now, if you can figure that out, tell me afterwards, because I lost myself. <laughs> now, listen, it's going to happen for both the alive those who are living and for those who have already passed on before us that are in Christ Jesus. Bill made mention of the Old Testament saints coming later on. But for those who have died in Christ, we believe, we, saw, we see in the Word and they've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, we can recognize the fact that, that, that He's coming for us and those who've died. I'm going to read something you hear a lot uh, at, at funerals. And the reason being is uh, when someone passes away, we don't want them grieving like people who don't know Jesus. We want them to have an understanding. You see, that's what the rapture, that's what the end times teach. That's what we talk about the second coming and the millennium. All these things are there to comfort us. All those things are there to strengthen us, to not have us believing in, in just anything that passes down the pike, but to believe what the Word of God says. And it's coming out of 1 Thessalonians, which is interesting because in, in Thessalonians, there was a lot of confusion too. People were believing the rapture had already happened. People were believing that, that, that Paul had written a, a document that was, was correct in his first document. And, and the thing is, it never was. There were false people out then. They were saying things that weren't true. And they had written stuff in the name of Paul that wasn't true. And so Paul had to come in and clear it all up. He had to make them understand it. No, the rapture hasn't taken place yet. It's going to happen, but it hasn't taken place. So listen to this. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. He's talking about the spirits who are coming back to be reunited with, with their body, with their, get their new body just like we will. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Now listen, this is how he's coming down. You wonder sometimes. You shout in here on Sunday morning. You shout a few minutes ago. He's coming back with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And this is such a glorious event because we're going to be with him forever from that point. We're not going to be separated from him anymore. There will be no distance like we're experiencing right now. Where Jesus goes, we go because we're his and we belong to him. It should be that way now because the Bible refers to us as being his body well, your head don't go one way and your body goes another. It's the same thing. We're supposed to stay in line with what he teaches from the Word of God that we can do that what he would have us to do. And so what we'll be doing, we'll be trading our old corruptible bodies here, these bodies that break down and give us trouble, get us into trouble, either give us trouble or get us into trouble. Those bodies are going to be put away. We get those new and the incorruptible bodies. And, and, and you know, some people say, well, you're just talking because you don't want to have to go through things. It's just an escape reality. You know, you just don't want to have to do that and, and, and go through all those different things that's going to be happening in the world at this point. Well, you bet I don't. You won't either when you hear when we get into some of these things in, in just a few moments here. 
Because really, we want to realize that, that God wants us to be in his presence forever. That's his heart for us. And, 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 and you know, with the kids, you know what I used to do with the kids? I didn't have much dignity when I did children's ministry in the early days. I didn't much, I, I didn't. I'd get out there, I'd put on any kind of a suit, I'd dress up, I'd put a wig on, on one of the services we were doing with the kids. I leaped off the platform, I limped around for about two months after that, sprained my ankle. Had a wig that hung down about here and pantomime in a song, one of those Christian rockers, some of you guys remember some of them back in the day that were singing like Striper and some of them, you know, they're really wild. If you didn't, well, don't take the time to look it up. But anyhow, <laughs> but I went flying off that platform and a man, I had pain hit me and I limped through it and finished the song out. And then from then on, I was hop along to him. It just hurt so bad. But, 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 but sometimes what I do, I tell the kids, you know, you're supposed to exercise kids and do things too. And, uh, and, and so what I do sometimes, I say, all right, hands in the air, jump up and down. And kids say, why are we doing this, Pastor Tim? Why are we doing this? I say, because this is rapture practice. We're getting ready. Jesus is going to be coming back, and we've got to be ready for him when he comes back. We're going to be caught up and meet him in the air. And so we do rapture practice sometimes too. The Apostle Paul, he made this statement. He said, we wait for the Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who will rescue us from the coming wrath. Now, I want to ask you this. In just a moment, we're going to look at something here concerning uh, the rapture, thinking on, on some people. But I want to ask you this. Are you living your best life now? And by your best life now, I don't mean, I don't mean or you got the car, the cat, the dog, whatever, two or three kids. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about are you living a life where if Jesus were come to your house this afternoon, you would be pleased by what he found inside the walls of your house. I'm talking about are you living a life, if Jesus went with you driving back and forth to work, would he be pleased with the conversation that's going on inside your, your brain, your mind? I'm talking about are you living a life that when, you, when you're around other people, they can see that light shining from you and where they recognize this person's different. They don't cuss and swear. They don't do the things that some of the guys around do. Your best life now, because that's what we're supposed to do. When it comes time to put your hand to the plow and do something, you see a brother that has a need or a sister that has a need or a church that has a need, are you going to help do what needs to be done until Jesus comes back? That's your best life. It's not what you accumulate. My car won't go with me to heaven. Especially the last one I had, the hell beat it all to pieces. When that hailstorm came in August, trashed that car. Totaled it out. Now, I'll tell you about some hailstorms in a little while, too. You ain't going to believe. They're coming. Now, listen. Let's take a look here. I'm going to get going and mess up what I'm doing. Uh, the timing of the rapture. Let's talk about that for just a minute. There's different thoughts about the rapture. Now, I'm going to show you which one's right. That way you won't have to think about it anymore. Well... You can, you can either believe me now or wait till Jesus comes and he'll tell you, yeah, he was right. I, he told you right. <laughs> so it's just up to you how you want to believe it. Now listen, there's people out there that believe post-tribulation. They believe that rapture is not going to happen to the end of tribulation. When we go through the judgments of tribulation, you tell me if Jesus wants us to live through that. Another thing, the pre-wrath uh, pre rapture, that's where you go about three-quarters of the way. Even three-quarters of the way is some kind of evil bad. You don't want that. And then the mid-tribulation rapture, that's the midpoint. There's a lot of people that want to push that pedal. No way. Not even the midpoint. I don't want even to get into any. People say, they say, oh, aren't we in the tribulation right now? Are we going through the tribulation? You have not seen tribulation like what's coming. Now, listen, partial rapture, that's where only devoted people 
get to go in the rapture. That's a reward, you know. Well, the way I read it, he says, come back for everybody. I don't see, why would you leave yet? If you're one of your kids is in the front yard and you go up the car to go down to McDonald's and all of a sudden, you're going to leave him back there? If he's your child? You go, Freddie, come on up here, son. We're going to McDonald's. You bring him along too. All right, now this is the one that's the right one. That's why it's underlined in your notes there. It's pre-tribulation rapture. We leave before the rapture begins. We leave before it begins. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10, it says this, For God hath not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we live together with him. Now, there's some significant events that are going to be happening at this time of the rapture. Christ is going to come in the air. He's not going to put his feet on the ground. He's going to come into the air. And when he comes in the air, he's coming for all of his own, those that are in Christ, those that receive Jesus. If you haven't received Jesus and living your life your way and doing your thing your way, guess what? You don't get to go at that point. You have to hang out and see some more stuff. But if you're ready and accepted Christ, you get to go. And what it does, it ends the church age. There's been different ages throughout time, all the way from the Garden of Eden up to now. There's, been, there, there's like seven dispensations or seven different ages. If I have time, I'll talk a little bit about the end. If I don't, we'll maybe cover it another time. But, but what's going to happen is when he comes back, that ends the church age. The church is the body of Christ. And when we're gone, the church age is no more. It's dealt with. And at that point, everybody's changed. And you remember when Thomas and Pastor Brian taught on this, how that when Thomas there, he said, put your hands in, in, in my side. You know, he told him, he said, or touch my, touch, look at these places on me. We're going to be changed too. We're going to have a new body. Now, I like to call it this way. I call it a supernatural physical body because Jesus could walk through a wall, but at the same time, he could sit down and eat fish and, and, and drink some juice or water. I mean, he was there. It didn't just fall out. I mean, what full of holes? It didn't come out of his hands, but he had a supernatural physical body. That's what we're going to have. We're going to have a body you can touch and feel and hug and shake hands with if you want to. I don't know about that greeting each other with a brotherly kiss. We'll have to wait on that one. But, <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, uh, like Paul has got, I did go to, I, one time, I, see, where was that? Uh, uh, I was in one country, and that's what they did. They come up and they just grabbed Portugal, and they just grabbed smack, smack on both cheeks. And I'm looking around, you know, I just thought, I don't know who's kissing me here. I don't know about this stuff. <laughs> we don't kiss each other like that. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> boys don't kiss boys. Listen, <laughs> but anyhow, listen to me. Let's move on here before I do say something. <laughs> I get political, next thing you know, I'll be getting some hate, haters. We get them anyway. In the body of Christ, you're going to have some haters. That's the way it works, you know. If you're doing anything for God, you're going to get some hate mail along the way. Listen, it says in 1 John 3, 2, they said, we're the children of God, and we have not been shown what we will be in the future, but we know that when he comes, we're going to be like him. So in other words, we're going to have a supernatural physical body. And only believers are going to hear him at this point. When he comes in the air, the whole world's not going to point up, look, look, look. It's not going to be like a solar eclipse. He's going to come. We're going to hear him. We're going to see him. And it's going to happen really quickly. And then we'll be with Christ forever. Listen to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in that, that moment word there, you know what that moment is? That moment, it's like you take something and divide it when it can't be divided anymore. It's the smallest element that can possibly be. That's what that word means. Like we use the word atom, where you split an atom. You can only go so far. You can only split something so many times. That is the smallest amount of time that could ever be as far as earth time is concerned. All right. It says, the moment of twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. No doubt about that. For this corruptible puts on incorruption, and the mortal puts on immortality. That's another thing you hear at funeral times. A lot of the funeral time stuff is preparing and getting people thinking about the eternity. 
and what's going to be happening. See, Jesus wants us with us, wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. He, he wants to be with us even more than we want to be with him. That's his longing. That's what it's all about. And, and, and you know, and, and that's why he said, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to go to my father's house, many mansions. Why do he say that? Because he wants us to be comforted. Now, while we're experiencing all the joys of heaven, it's going to be fiercely bad uh, here on earth. Uh, we, we think of the ten plagues, you know, that, that Moses was dealing with with Pharaoh. Or we think about the people drowning in, in, in Noah's day and all these things that we see, uh, all these many horrible things that happen in the Old Testament. It's nothing to what's going to be happening. To drown will be a merciful death. But what's coming in those plagues, it's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. And so for about 2,000 years now, we've been living in this church age. And in the Old Testament, the tribulation time that we're about to talk about, uh, it was referred to from different things. It was called Jacob's Trouble. It was called the 70th week of Daniel. Uh, in the New Testament, it's called the hour of trial or the wrath to come. There's different names for what the tribulation is going to be about. And the disciples were even concerned about the, uh, the end of time. They had Jesus there uh, at the Mount of Olives, and they came to him and said, Lord, what's, what's these signs going to be? What's it going to be like? And if you go and you read Matthew 25 or 24 and 25, it's in chronological order. You can read. That's not talking about the rapture. That's talking about the second coming of Christ and, and some things that are going to be happening thereafter. And so when we think about what's going to be taking place uh, in the tribulation, there has to be a starting point. And people say, well, yeah, when the Antichrist comes, no. The Antichrist is not going to be revealed to us, the church. Now, we may, we may hear or have some good ideas of who he is, but he's not coming on the scene until after we're gone. In fact, even after we're gone, when we take place and the rapture happens, he's, he's, going, to be a, he's going to be a man that people are going to look at, and he's going to be the world leader that rises up that's got the answers for everything. He's the one that says, I'm going to solve the poverty. I'm going to solve world hunger. They're going to look at him and think, man, this is a man like no other. He's a man. We want him. We like him. And so he's even going to talk Israel into signing a seven-year peace treaty. That's when tribulation begins. The clock starts ticking again, automatic. Just like you have a stopwatch right now in the church age, and, you, and that thing is stopped and, and until the church is done and we're taken out of here. That thing's not going anywhere. The minute he signs that treaty with Israel, click, it starts again for that seven years. And it's going to be ticking, ticking, ticking. And during that time, terrible things are going to be happening. And you might be saying, well, won't, won't there people be saved during that time? Well, yeah, there'll be people who'll come to Jesus. There'll be evangelism coming on. In fact, this is when God's going to be turning his eyes back on Israel. And, and, and immediately there's going to be 144,000 uh, Jews that are going to see. 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Their eyes are going to be opened up. And where they couldn't understand the Messiahship of Jesus, suddenly now all of a sudden they do. They realize this was his plan. And so they're going to, they're going to be witnesses in the earth. And they're going to have converts. And they're going to tell other people. There's going to be angels that are going to be sharing the gospel. There's going to be the people who the angels and those witnesses have shared with that are also going to be sharing the gospel. There's going to be the two witnesses that are going to be speaking before the whole world to have their eyes on. So there's going to be things going forward. But with that, with that happening, there's no guarantee that some people will make it through because there's going to be horrible, horrible things. Let's take a look at some of these judgments. Starts off with the seal judgments. And by the way, I don't know what month, what month Pastor John, did you do that uh, four horses in? You remember? If you go back, Pastor John did a message on the four horsemen some time ago, some months back. Uh, go look it up. And, and it's, it's when? 
April 2020 is when he said he did it. Go back and take a look at that if you want more detail on that, the four horsemen. Well, let's take a look here. The white horse is talking about a global false peace, and that the Antichrist is bringing this in. In fact, in Daniel 9, 27, it talks about that. Old Testament and New Testament speak to the times and the age that we're living in, to the end times. And he talks about this this. Uh, uh, the, this peace tree is going to have it. About three and a half years into it, he's going to get really bad real quick. He's going to go from being this great world leader, you know, he's going to turn into a world dictator. It's going to be totally different. He'll be a tyrant. Uh, he's going to stop the Temple Mount sacrifices and things. He's going to terrible things. All right, the red horse, that's another uh, one of the judgments there. These are sealed judgments. It's going to be global war. They'll be killing and bloodshed like this planet's never seen. The black horse is where the famine and pestilence are going to find out. He, he's not bringing... Uh, uh, world hunger to an end. He's bringing a famine and pestilence on. Uh, there'll be a, uh, the pale horse to be a global death where one-fourth of mankind will be killed by the sword and famine and plagues. There'll be wild beasts running around. They're not just going to kill people. They're going to kill people and eat them. It's going to be a horrible time. Walk out your door and all of a sudden you better be looking around. I've been in, in before like in El Salvador and you see these old dogs running around and gnarly looking, all hungry looking dogs. Looks like, you know, they'd bite you and eat you, but you know, it's going to be more than that. It's going to be big beasts coming on. Uh, there's going to be an altar of souls. Uh, this is uh, where global persecution is so strong during that time. Uh, there's going to be many, many people who will be martyred uh, with some of the worst persecution that, that it's ever come to anybody, torturous persecution for many of them that will be uh, there. And so the blood of their, the, you might say the blood of the martyrs, like it was when, when Cain killed Abel, and the Bible talks about his blood cried out from the ground. That's kind of the time it's going to be then. It's going to be the very blood of the people are crying out uh, for God. Uh, to help them. There'll be a global earthquake at this time. The sun's going to turn black. The moon turns to blood. There'll be asteroids that fall to earth. The sky's going to recede. The mountains and islands are removed. Great changes in the earth and the system. And this is going to begin what's called the Great Tribulation. First three and a half's tribulation. Second three and a half's Great Tribulation. And there's going to be a mark set up where that you have to worship the Antichrist. Uh, the mark of the beast. There'll be people who expect it. If you don't take that mark, then they're going to kill you. They're going to do everything they can to destroy you. They're going to try to deceive you and, and try to draw you in to receive that mark. You won't be able to buy or sell or do things that you like to do, not business as usual anymore, because you'll have to have that mark. There'll be a time of silence that's going to take place during this particular judgment. And it's warning of some of this kind of a warning sign of, of, of more judgments coming on the scene. You saw how it was in, uh, when uh, Pharaoh, when he was getting those signs from Moses, there'd be a sign and there'd be a little bit of time there. Give him a chance to square things up. He wouldn't do it. It's going to be this way too. It's going to be a good time for a personal heart check uh, for those that are left behind. And then we move from that time of silence. That's going to introduce the, what's called the the trumpet judgments, and they're coming in. With that's going to be hell and fire coming in with those judgments. One-third of the earth, one-third of the earth, all the trees and all the greenlands and everything are going to be burned up. There'll be a huge asteroid that crashes into the sea that's going to destroy a third of the ships and a third of all the seas. Can you imagine that? Something that big? You hear all the time these scientists are saying, well, there's an asteroid coming this far from from earth or what? This is going to land. It's going to make it. It's going to, it's going to get all the way here. There'll be a blazing comet. There's going to be a third of the rivers that are poisoned as a result of that because of the toxins that come from that, from that comet. And the, the Bible talks about wormwood, which means bitter, bitter, bitter water. If you see the word wormwood, if you read Revelation, you see wormwood, that's what it's talking about. There'll be a solar smiting. That's where a, thunder, a third of the sun and moon and stars are struck. A third of the day and a third of the night is without light during that time. Satan is going to release hordes of demonic locusts to torture those who have received Christ. People want to die, but they can't escape. 
This is going to be a five-month process that those hordes of, of demonic locusts are on the earth. Four angels are loosed from the Euphrates. These are high-ranking, rebellious angels, and they're going to kill a third of mankind. Often Euphrates, when you see that in the Bible, it's referring to something that's evil. That's where that uh, is used that way. The kingdom of God and the bold judgments are announced at this point. See, each judgment leads into a worse judgment. Each one leads into something more devastating, more hard. In fact, I'm hoping that the young people in here aren't getting scared today because if you have Jesus in your heart, you won't be here. You won't see any of this. None of this is going to come to you. But we see here how the, the kingdoms of God and the bold judgments are announced at this point. And, and, and still there's going to be people in the midst of all this. They're going to take the Antichrist and still receive him rather than reach out for God. They're that hardened in their heart, like it was with Pharaoh back again in Moses' time. The Old Testament has types and shadows. We see pictures of things that help us understand the New Testament and see what happened to those people in the Old Testament and how things. Now, this is going to get real nasty here in these bold judgments, as if it hasn't already. There's going to be ugly, painful, malignant sores and boils on those that worship the Antichrist and have taken the mark of the beast. And by the way, once they take that mark, it's over. You can't undo that. Once it's done, it's done. That's eternal damnation when you take that mark. And the reason it's called bold judgments, things are being poured out on the earth at that time. Every judgment that comes down is very specific in what it's trying to accomplish. Christians have a target on their back. Those that have received Jesus have a target on their back. The whole time this is going on, they're still trying to capture and kill Christians. The Antichrist will do everything he can to aid Satan in what he's going to be doing. The false prophet will do that in every way he can to help lure people in and to get them to come and receive that mark of the beast in what he's doing. So there'll be ugly, painful sores. All the seas at this point will turn to blood and the sea creatures will die. They'll die. All the rivers and fresh water will turn to blood. No fresh water for people anymore because they've all turned to blood. Now, I've heard people say before, I've had people say, well, you know, Tim, I, I've, I've known, I've heard this all my life. I heard this when I was a little boy, that things like this were going to be happening, but it hadn't happened yet. And I said, yeah, so what? I remember years ago when I was in grammar school looking at scientific magazines, and it said someday people will be able to talk to other people looking at their phone. We had a rotary dial phone. And I think, there ain't no way. You'll never be able to see anybody on the phone. But see, I had a different picture of what was going to happen. But it happened, didn't it? Now we talk to people on our phone. We can do it today. Well, it's the same thing with this. There's people who have looked and thought, well, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? That's one of the devil's greatest, that's one of his greatest tactics is to get people to stall. Well, I'll get saved right before he comes back. The thing of it is, you don't know when he's coming back. Well, I can still get saved after the rapture. Can you? Will you be able to live during those times and go through the persecution and pain and suffering and not take the mark? Do you know that for sure? Do you want to risk that? I don't think so. That's why we got to reach a lost and dying world. All right. It says the, uh, the sun's going to scorch people with fire, and these people are going to curse God because of what's happening to them. They're going to look up rather than they cry out for him. They're going to curse him. The kingdom of Antichrist is plunged into darkness. The Euphrates River dries up, and it prepares the way for the kings of the east because they're going to be coming in. They're going to do, have the big, the big fight, the big war there in Armageddon. And out of the mouth of Satan and out of the mouth of the Antichrist and out of the mouth of the false prophet, the, the Bible talks about the, the frog 
the frog spears. The frogs, they're speaking. That's who it's talking about. It's talking about the mouth of Satan, the mouth of Antichrist, and the mouth of false prophet. We'll read scripture here in just a minute. And there'll be a final pronouncement, and that's when everything's going to come down. The one world system, one world religion, it all comes down at that particular point. There's going to be a tremendous war taking place in Armageddon. You know, there's going to be blood going to run, they said, for 185 to 200 miles uh, through that valley going there. There's going to be hailstones. They're going to weigh 100 pounds. They're going to be falling from the sky. You know, uh, the U.S. has an air-to-ground missile called a Hellfire missile. That thing weighs 100 pounds. It's going to do nothing compared to what these hailstones are going to do. Just to lighten it up a little bit, baby hippos can weigh 100 pounds. <laughs> I wouldn't be hit by a 100-pound hippo falling from the sky either, though, would you? <laughs> All right. I could tell it's getting, it's getting pretty serious in here. All right, now listen, that's what I told somebody. I said it's hard to kind of, can't really joke around much when you're talking about the things that are coming on and when it's talking about end times because really it's serious, serious business. And you say, well, why is it all this way? Well, look at this. Jesus is coming back again, and, and, and what he's bringing to us, he wants us to be ready and to be prepared for. That Jesus is ready to rule and reign on this earth at the end of tribulation. And it says here uh, in, in uh, Revelation 1-7, well, I'm going to read Matthew 24 first. It says, For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. In those days, had it not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, the days will be shortened. In other words, God's going to have a cutoff point at, at the end of this tribulation there. And then the, the whole world's going to know that, that Jesus is coming back when he comes back in the second coming. It's not going to be like it was in rapture and only us believers see him. When he comes back, the whole world's going to see him come on the scene. And, and really, that's why we refer to the rapture more or less as the appearing and the second coming as the coming, because he's going to come back and he's going to be on earth again. Jesus is going to come back, and the Bible talks about how he's going to come as like the lightning is from the east and the west. That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be that quick and fast. And when he comes, it says, wherever there's a carcass, the vultures were gathered. What it's going to mean at that point, it's going to mean the fact that, that Israel is, is whipped down. Israel's looking like a dead carcass almost, like there's no hope for Israel. And these battles, all these different nations coming against them. All the battles that are taking place and, and happening, it's going to look like Israel will never get out of this, but then God's going to come on the scene, riding the white horse and all the saints coming with him as he comes down, and he's going to end this thing once and for all. And he's going to come as a conquering king of kings. We sang just a few minutes ago, looking at these screens, the king is alive. Yes, he's alive. And the king's coming back. Yes, he's coming back. It's going to be happening. We're going to see the results of what the king coming back can do with his armies, of which we'll be a part of coming with him. He's going to speak the word. And they said even his very appearance to, to the devil is going to strike down uh, the, the, the Antichrist. And you're going to see, just if, even if he didn't use the sword of, of his words, even though he is going to, but if he didn't, just his appearance would be enough to drop the Satan to his knees because every knee is going to bear, every tongue is going to fest that he is king of kings and lord of lords. But listen in Revelation. We've got to read this one for you. It says, I saw heaven open. Standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. Come out of his mouth is coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword of which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses on the fury of the wrath of Almighty God, and on his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's our Jesus we're talking about this morning. That's our Savior we're talking about this morning. He's coming back. 
At that time, when they have the, uh, the, what's called the battle, most, most people call it the battle of Armageddon. It's really the war of Armageddon because there are different phases to it. But when he comes back and, and, and does that, there's going to be a separation of the believer and the unbeliever. There's going to be angels there that are going to harvest the believers that are born again during that time, that receive Christ during that time. There's also going to be a harvest of unbelievers uh, that are going to be taking place. The unbelievers are going to be removed from the earth just like it was in Noah's day. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. When the ark came, the believers believers were taken off, taken off the earth. They were drowned. They were taken off the earth. And the family of Noah, the righteous, survived. When the rapture comes, the righteous are taken off the earth, and the unbelievers are the ones that are left here on earth to stay and go through the torture and the persecution. But then when Jesus comes back in the second coming, once again, the unbelievers will be taken off, and then the righteous will be here to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus, because of his great love for us, will not let us go through those things. He wants to protect us from it. Satan will be bound up, and he'll be put into the hell for a thousand years, not loosed. And then at one point, at the very end of the millennium, he'll be loosed for a short time for a season again. That'll be his last and final rebellion. Now, I'm not going to go into it, but between the tribulation and the millennium, there'll be about a 75-day interval there. During that time, I've wondered, Lord, is that when you're going to give us our assignments, how we're to rule and reign with you? Is that when we're supposed to do what we do? Because he is going to give us an opportunity to serve with him. He is going to give us an opportunity to do his work in the earth. But you know what? He's given us that opportunity now. I think it's a couple weeks, Pastor Tommy is going to share on serving. Don't wait until then to do something for God. If you got somebody you know and they don't know Jesus, please go reach them. Talk to them. You say, well, why do we have to talk about this? Why do we have to have an understanding of end times? Well, I've got some reasons now. One, it helps us remain steadfast. If we know he's coming, we want to be prepared for his coming. It helps us stay spiritually hungry. We want to continue to grow and learn the word until he comes back for us. And it helps us reach the lost. When it comes to receiving communion, it's hard to receive communion, not just remembering. When he said, do this in remembrance of me, that, that's not just a matter of remembering what he did for us. It's a matter of what he's going to do for us. Folks, he's coming to get us. I saw this little thing one time. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. One of the simplest things I've seen about sharing the gospel, and actually it was a doctor from London. And it was back in the old days when they rode horses and, and traveled out. When he had a young man that would groom his horse and get things ready for him and live there. You know, he was like a, a helper for him. Get his stuff ready that he'd take out when he had to go out to somebody's house. Well, this doctor had received Christ and knew him as Lord and Savior. And so he set the young man down one night because he knew he didn't. He had never received Christ. And he started talking to him. His name had to be John. And he looked at him, he says, John, he said, uh, after he explained how the Lord was going to return and how he, someday he wouldn't, he wouldn't be there anymore, he said, John, someday I won't be here anymore because Jesus is coming back to get me. And he said, now, John, when that happens, I want you to know this house is yours. Everything I have here is yours. My, my, my horse is yours. All the money I have is yours. All the equipment I have is yours. And John looked around. His eyes kind of lit up. He's kind of smiling, you know. 
all this is going to be mine someday. And then John went to bed that night, and he was laying in his bed, it started messing with his head. He said, now wait a minute. If Doc's gone, and I got everything Doc had, if he's in heaven, where am I going to be? And suddenly it hit him, and that message became clear to him. I got to have the same Jesus Doc has. I don't want all his money. I don't, I don't want his house. I don't want any of this if it means I miss heaven. And he made his commitment to the Lord. You see, Jesus will show you how to reach people if you're willing to talk to them and you're willing to put it in a language they can understand. Now, I, I, I know I threw a lot at you today in kind of a short time here. There's a lot of stuff, and, and hopefully we'll get to do some more of this maybe later on too. But I want you to understand, now is our time. There's revivals happening in different parts. You might say, well, it don't look like it. The world's this, the world's that. Listen, there's revivals happening in places. There's people where thousands of people are coming to the Lord. Why not here? Why not here? We can do it. We can do it. But we have to have that heart. We have to see that urgency in the Spirit. And I don't care if you want to get a new boat, a new camp, whatever you want to get. You believe whatever you want to believe for but while you're believing for the stuff, believe with the people, for the people. Let's bring them to Jesus. Are you with me today? I believe you are. Amen. I believe so. Jesus is coming back, and we're going to be with him. So just for a moment here, there might be somebody in this room right now, and you've never accepted Christ. There might be somebody watching online today, and you've never accepted Christ. Let me tell you this. You may not make it. Through the tribulation, today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Right now is your time. This message wasn't just to come here and just, just inform the believers and those that already know things. This, this was for you today. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you real quickly, is there anybody in here today that needs to accept Christ, that needs to ask Jesus in your heart? If you just raise your hand up, just raise it up. Just kind of move it back and forth a little bit. We can see where you're at. If you need to receive Jesus today, then raise your hand up, and we will certainly be praying for you. We're not asking you to come forward. We just want to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody need to receive Jesus today? Anybody else? We're looking across the room with other people's heads bowed and eyes closed. All right, anybody else? Anyone else? Before we pray. And we're going to pray for those. Anyone else? We're going to pray for, for, for salvation. But I want to ask you one more thing. How many of you be just honest right now with your head bowed and your eyes closed? If anybody's looking around, they ought not be. And I'm seeing nobody doing that. So if you're here today and you'd be totally honest and say, you know, I get a little, I gotta get a little better prepared. I'm not living my best life now. I haven't told anybody about Jesus in a long time. There's some things in my life I need to lay aside because it's not getting me any closer to the things of the kingdom of God. Anybody like that to be honest say, yep, I need to do some repenting. Anybody? Yep, 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 hands all over. All right. We're gonna pray for you too. First we're gonna do salvation. So let's do that first. Let's say this together. Say, Heavenly Father. I believe your word. I believe Jesus died, rose again. I believe that he's my king, my soon coming king, my Lord and Savior. I ask you now to forgive me of every sin and take me into your kingdom knowing that I belong to you and you belong to me. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Now, for those that need to square things up, let's say this together. Say, Lord, I know I've been short, but I don't want to come up lacking. So I'm going to make some adjustments. I want to be found doing what pleases you. I promise you right now, in this room, on this Sunday morning, to straighten out some things, to lead a better life, and to lead others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you, if you made a decision for Christ, there's a number that you can text, and they'll, they'll have it up here on the screen. There it is right there. Text that. Let us know about it. But there's things that you want to share with us. Text and let us know. See, we, we for you here. There's not one person in this room that, that we want to see miss out on the best things God has for us. And he has prepared some good things for us in store. I just want to know that, uh, that I love you and I appreciate your time today. You didn't have to be here, but you were. And because you were, I believe God's going to bless you every time you walk through the doors of this place. I believe God's going to bless you every time you put your hand to anything that's to be done at this place. I believe God's going to bless you just because you're his. He's going to bless you because you're his. Well, there'll be people down front here. Come pray with you if you like. Thank you. God bless you. Go out. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. Have an awesome week. God bless you.